Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two here in the Auction Community Studios on this Arizona Sports Saturday. Jeremy Schnell filling in for Steve today. Got me, Mitch, Trevor Henry behind the glass. I meant to do this at the top of the show, and I cannot believe that I spaced doing it until now. But this past week was our annual give-a-thon for Phoenix Children's. And the great sponsors, the great volunteers, the great individuals that helped drive this event set another record yesterday. $2,157,803 raised for Phoenix Children's over the course of the last five days, Jeremy. Incredible. And I've had, I, we were down there yesterday at Phoenix Children's, Mitch, and being able to, to be there and just see how much it means not only to the people that work there, but to the people that run our company, that was important, and that was very, very. Ha- I made me very happy. We got to see the basically the whole operation in action. We got to meet Oliver yesterday, who's yep. got a great story as one of the many patients at Phoenix Children's. It it was it was a tough, long day, but it that number and that amount to be donated for that uh, great institution made everything worth it yesterday. Absolutely, that was awesome. Capped off a great week. And last night, we got a spectacular outing out of one spectacular individual as well. There's a pop-up on the infield. Perdomo going out. He will make the catch. And the inning is over. Six shutouts so far for Brandon Futt. He's yielded just two walks. And what's kind of buried in that on the call by Chris Garagiola, although he implied it very well, no hits allowed by Brandon Fott through six innings. His final line, seven innings, just one hit. It was a double, but it quickly subsided shortly after. Three walks, five Ks. A stellar outing once again out of Brandon Fott, Jeremy. That meant nothing in the end, unfortunately. It of means course. something more, uh, you know, moral victories, I guess you can say, because we've been wanting to see Brandon Fott pitch like this. We knew he was capable one of the top prospects in this Diamondbacks organization didn't get off to a great start. You know, this year when they kept calling him up, they sent him down a few times, came back up. He's been pitching very well lately and culminated with yesterday's start, six and a third, uh, no hit innings, gave up that hit to Soto, got out of that inning eventually. Um, and then unfortunately the backs were not able to finish off, uh, what he started. I will say. And if you felt the same way at the trade deadline, then feel free to interject it however you mean. I remember that after they called him up for the Cincinnati series, and he had that quality start against the Reds, and you're getting close to the trade deadline, and you're thinking, man, this team could really use a boost. Man, this team could really use the help in the starting rotation. And then the reports and the rumors came out about Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. He's with the Angels now. But there were rumors at the time that if the Diamondbacks were going to go after Giolito, Brandon Fott was probably at the top of the list of prospects to send back in return. There's only one player in this league that I would have given up Fott and Lawler for. Okay. And it's Otani. It wouldn't be anybody else. So you wouldn't have given up either of them unless it meant getting the greatest generational player this game has seen. They have both those players under control, right? Like yes. it's Giolito is a free agent at the end of this year. Yep, you can get Giolito for discount this summer. Otani would have been a free agent season. too. 
Yes. For the record. Yes. So you would have given up the best two prospects yes. for half a season of Otani. Yes. Okay. Yes. Without question. Not only not not only does that give you the best baseball player in the world, maybe even in our lifetime, but it also brings more fans to the ballpark. It gets people excited about Diamondbacks baseball. Mm-hmm. It maybe gets the city of Phoenix to get in on board on the renovations that Chase Field needs. That would be nice. So that would have been my reasoning for doing the trade. Not only does it get you the best player in the world, it gets you those other things as well. Uh, they didn't do it, and we're we're glad that they did it in some aspects because Brandon Fott has been pitching well lately and showing his potential. It's exactly setting up the what, argument that I was making going into the last break, is that, yes, the Diamondbacks made the correct decision in not trading away Brandon Fott, and we are seeing it now. We went over it earlier. The seven games since he's been recalled when he pitched against the Reds up until last night, 36 innings, 30 hits allowed, 14 earned runs, 9 walks, 34 strikeouts, 5 home runs, a hit by pitch, but a 3-5-0 ERA. It's significantly better than what we saw out of Brandon Fott the first time he was called up to face Texas, the second time around that he was called up and then immediately sent back down after against, after against the Tampa Bay Rays. This is starting to look like the Brandon Fott that we all anticipated Brandon Fott to look like. His stuff is up there with some of the best in the league, too. Yeah. He has really good stuff. Uh, he's just got to be able to show it and locate, right? Like some sometimes walks were the problem. Home runs were a big issue, right? Yeah. Um, I, it's just if he continues to pitch like this and show his stuff and locate his pitches, he's going to be fine in this league. Stuff does well in this league. And if anything, it gives you more clarity for next year, too. Yes. So say the Diamondbacks, they continue at the meh pace that they're on. And they miss out on a wild card spot. Are we going to be upset? Yes. I think that a majority of us would be upset that they missed the playoffs. They were in first place in the National League West for a good chunk of this year. But now you have a foundation for next year. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, and Brandon Fott could easily be a top three in a rotation. And maybe one of the best top threes of any rotation across Major League Baseball. And even, it's because you didn't give them away for a rental. You didn't even exactly talk about Henry. Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, if he comes back healthy, you have a much better clarity about what your starting rotation could be next year. And it's because Brandon Fott is pitching as well as he is. It makes it so you do not have to go out and get a starting pitcher this offseason. Now, would you well, like them to? Yes. yes, because you don't <laughs> want all that inexperience in your rotation. That's what they got stuck with this season. Well, no, they had the experience. Madison Bumgarner was just here for way too long. <laughs> Respectfully. Right, but they they knew what Madison Bumgarner was this offseason, and they still chose not to go out and get any starting pitching help. Yeah. They they focused on the bullpen, and that didn't work out. Which which is funny, because we had griped about the bullpen forever. They finally go out and get some guys that can throw some heat, right? Like Miguel Castro. Oops. <laughs> um, but they come... They, Kind of overhauled the bullpen. They thought they had gotten a closer, and then that closer got hurt. Well, now they've got a better closer, a much better closer. But the problem now becomes, can you even get to that closer? Can you even make it to the ninth inning so that Paul Seawald can shut the door on another night of Diamondbacks baseball? Knowing that those three, Gallon, Kelly, and Fott, could be the top three of the rotation next year, doesn't mean that they're done in the rotation 
but it certainly makes you feel a lot more confident about the Diamondbacks team for years to come. In uh, in Seawald's last three games, he's had all he's saved all three of them. He's gone obviously three innings, only given up four hits. Not great because he gave up the three hits against Colorado, but he did get out of that, got the save, and he struck out. He struck out four. He's, he's got good swing and miss stuff. Yes. It's because of his mechanics, really. Like it's a, kind of like a wonky sidearm motion that he's got going, right? But like it that works. Three quarters thing, right? Right. right. Um, obviously, didn't go well in Minnesota, but I think he's starting to come back to earth a little bit. So that's good. It's just what's going. You need someone to pitch the sixth, seventh, and eighth. You see, it's funny <laughs> that, that now that's to become the problem. Is you got Gallon or Kelly or Fott who can make it six innings, maybe seven if you're lucky. Well, okay. Who's going to get you the rest of the way over the bridge of the river? Who's going to get you to Paul Seawalt? <sighs> Mantiply was that guy. What happened to him, man? That was an all-star a year ago. Yep. That was a guy who wouldn't walk anybody a year ago. And now he's... Are we going to see Melanson any, like, at all the rest of this season? Probably not. It. And he's going into the end of his contract, so he's probably done. Right. What a disappointing Diamondbacks tenure that was, huh? They finally you kind of, I mean, like closer. he was, he was a little over the, I mean, he, he had a great season with San Diego, but then you kind of knew he was getting up there in age. So it was a risk, a risk worthwhile because they needed bullpen help, but unfortunately it didn't work out. They needed a closer, but now they got a better one in Paul Seawalt. Uh, by the way, two games today, they moved up the Sunday game due to the anticipation of Hurricane Hillary hitting over the southwest corner of the United States sometime this weekend. So two Diamondbacks games today against the Padres. First one is just about to start. We'll keep you updated here on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. But if you want to check in on the game, just switch your channel on the Arizona Sports app or head over to ESPN 620. But coming up next, we've got to get ready for this Cardinals preseason game two. Bring on our buddy Tyler Drake. He'll join us next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals preseason game number two coming up later tonight. We got pregame coverage that starts at 1.30 right here on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. So to help get Jeremy and myself ready for this game later tonight, we got to call on one of our favorites. He is Tyler Drake. He covers the Cardinals for us at Arizona Sports. And he's one half of the Cardinals Corner podcast on ArizonaSports.com and the Arizona Sports app. And I'm so glad, Ty, that this time worked out for you because I know that you like to get there early coming all the way over from the Santan Valley. <laughs> you are correct, my friend. You are correct. But yeah, perfect yeah. timing. Always always got time for you, though, man. So really quickly, just because I'm curious, what is a game day prep? Because I don't think we've talked to you on a game day before. What's game day prep like for Tyler Drake? Game day prep. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, today was, I think we got up at, I think the kid got up at 6. Brady got up at 6, and we went out and had a stroll at the park real quick and got back here and hung out, and now it's, uh, as soon as I get off the phone with you guys, it'll be, uh, you know, get myself prepared and ready and the trek over. It's about an hour drive for me, so... We'll uh, definitely be listening to the pregame coverage of the game as we're driving in to to listen to the great voices that are the Cardinals, uh, Craig Grealou and uh, Darren Urban, I believe. And after that, 
we'll be at the game. I, Jeremy will be there too, and we'll get some pregame stuff for you guys, and then we are there, and the game starts, and we're going. Yeah. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Um, <laughs> you, you failed to mention that uh, Eric Ruby, your your you know co-host for Cardinals Corner, will be on as well in, uh, for a half hour before the game as well. Failed to mention that. Uh, just wanted to there let you know. know. I wasn't sure with the uh, with the Cardinals coverage if he was going to be on. Today no, it's okay. You're just acting all Hollywood. It's fine. Um, I just wanted to. <laughs> oh. I, I did. I did want to ask you though. Um, this week, what what kind of has been the focus for the Cardinals at practice this week going into a game against the defending champs? I, I'll be at preseason though. Yeah, yeah. It's just really getting the operations and stuff down. I think it's just really working on the little things still. Uh, obviously, yeah, and there's a little more backstory to the Chiefs just because we know where the head coach in the D.C. from the Cardinals, we know where they came from last year in their last game that they played last year, where they played their last game last year in the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a little bit more, I feel like, there, but at the same time, yeah, it's preseason. They just want to get better. They obviously want to put a good performance out there, get some good tape on there, and it sounds like the Chiefs are going to play they're starters for the first half or much of the first half. So we should get a good look and see exactly where this Cardinals team is at, depending on, you know, obviously who they're going to play. But I would assume it's going to be a good half of a good half of football for both sides. Tyler Drake with Arizona Sports joining us here on the Arizona Sports line. I'm looking at particularly the story that you wrote earlier this week about LJ Collier. And I'm kind of intrigued by his role, I guess, because he was a first-round pick with Seattle, didn't really land on his feet there. Now here he is in a interdivision, and he's ready to get things going again. What have you taken away so far from the limited action that you've seen out of Collier? Yeah, yeah, he seems he seems like he's ready to turn the page, and it seems like he's really liking the scenery out here. I mean, it's it's uh, obviously yeah, move like you said, he's moving from one NFC West team to another. If he was a first-round pick, things really, you know, he even said it didn't really work out in uh, in uh, Seattle. He just said there was a, uh, it just wasn't a good fit. He really appreciates everybody up there, but at the end of the day, it wasn't for him. The system wasn't for him, and he really feels like he's already not only latched onto this team in the room, but just has just really gelled and is in this system now. So, I've heard nothing but good things about him. Uh, he's really talked, the, the, really the only time we got to talk to him since he signed was this last week. And he was really, really complimentary of, of everything that he learned in Seattle and how he's going to prove his, that he's worthy of that first round pick that they took him with uh, now in the desert. So it's going to be interesting to see how this D-line room shakes out. There's obviously a lot of unknown there. There's a lot of spots up for grabs. There's three spots really up for grabs and it's just it's dc nick rollis told us he loves the competition he thinks it's good competition and he doesn't really want to put any names on starters yet so it's open game it's open business and i think he's really one of those guys that's going to get one of those spots at the end of the day if he can continue to stack these you know the limited showing he's got in preseason plus you know the practices Tyler Drake from ArizonaSports.com joining us right now on Arizona Sports Saturday. Tyler, I wanted to ask you about Michael Wilson because you wrote a story about him on Thursday. Obviously, limited opportunities uh, last week against the Broncos, but only two catches. Uh, What do you expect to see from him today? 
Yeah, I would think he'd get a little bit more work than he did. I think he only got two series that last game. So I would expect he'll see more snaps. I don't know how much that's going to translate to catches in receiving yards or touchdowns, but I definitely think we'll see him more on the field. I know they want to get him involved. I know they want to continue to get his feet wet. I think, and I know that he wants to show that he can, you know, really be at that NFL level. So I would expect a couple more targets come his way. I just, you know, it's, it's preseason. So we never really know for sure what we're going to get, but I do think he definitely gets more than two series tonight. Tyler Drake uh, is the coach, right? Let's just think of you as a coach right now. You're not listening to what any of the other coaches are saying. Who is your starting quarterback week one? Uh, it's Cole McCoy week one right now. And then from there, we'll we'll reevaluate. Obviously, I know where you're going with that one. Clayton Tunes definitely, <laughs> definitely in the mix. Don't get me wrong. He's in the mix. But I think you've got to start with your veteran, the guy that's, you know, really the, the coach out there on the field and Colt McCoy. He's, he's been doing it all off season. He, you know, he's not missing a beat on who he is. We all know who he is and, and we'll see what he can do on the field in this new offense. But you got to see what you got out of him first before you can uh, pull the tune trigger and, and go with him. Do you find it significant that despite only one pre-snap penalty in the preseason game last week <laughs> that Drew Petzing was very noted about how even that was too many? Like, do you feel the change that they're trying to bring based off of just one preseason game? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's I mean, it's got to be music to everybody's ears after what we've all seen the last couple of years with with just the the pre, especially last year with just the pre-snap penalty right. just oh man, dysfunction. But yeah, it, it was uh it, it was like it, it was almost like the question was kind of giving him a compliment and he's like, "No, no, 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 that's that's one too many." So, <laughs> you, I mean, you got to like that if if you're if you're a football fan, you got to like that. I mean, clean clean games a good game. And and that's exactly what they want to do. They're preaching the little things. It's, again, that just goes back to the accountability and and really nailing down what they're teaching these guys on the practice field. So I, it's definitely a step in the right direction. We'll see what it looks like tonight. But I mean, if you start your starting first game, first game in the new system, first game with these coaches, and you only have one, that's that's a solid W in my book. And you have to think that it's going to be heavier. There's going to be heavier emphasis on it, particularly tonight, because as Jeremy mentioned, they're playing the Chiefs. They're playing the reigning Super Bowl champs. They're playing a team that has had more wins in State Farm Stadium than the Cardinals have had in the last full year. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right there, yeah. And, and But yeah, like you said, it's exactly what it is. I don't like to be sure right that. there, Ty. I don't want to be right about that sort of a statistic. That's such a good one. <laughs> Well, hey, they got one last eight. Cardinals got one last week, and I know it's preseason, but still, that was that was a heck of a win that they pulled out there. But yeah, and it's really going to come down those first couple series, especially with the starters in of, of what what can they show? What can they really show? What what can they put what they've learned this offseason to the test to really make it an interesting game? And obviously, let's put that disclaimer again: exhibition preseason game. To see what they can do, see where they're at level-wise, uh, competition-wise with this with the Chiefs team, because I feel like no matter what, the Chiefs are going to come out and play. So let's see what the, the Cardinals can get. Is there anything else that we sort of miss that you're looking forward to watching tonight against the Chiefs, Tyler? Um, I'm interested to see what how Nick Rollis does getting the uh, calls in from the field again. And we'll see how Petsing does getting the calls in because he is switching things up. So 
instead of, I think he was on the field last week, and I think he's going up to the booth this week. So we'll see if there's any uh, communication issues or anything like that. But outside of that, I think there's one guy, uh, Dante Spills, the rookie uh, lineman, defensive lineman. I'm going to be watching him a little bit more closely. It seems like he's getting more and more looks, and seems like he's doing good with them too. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can make make a little noise tonight. Really quickly, because I feel like we completely buried the lead on this. But Zach Ertz activated off PUP. Just as quick a response as you can give. Do you think he plays at all tonight or next week? Mm, I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I think they're going to be easy with them and and really ease them in for that week one opener against uh, Washington. All right, sounds good. Ty, as always, thanks so much for the time. Safe travels on that long trip down to State Farm Stadium tonight, all right? (laughs) See you guys. See you there. That's Tyler Drake, lead Cardinals writer for us at Arizona Sports, does one half of the Cardinals Corner podcast. They're going to do their post-game podcast, I imagine, tonight. I'm looking for Eric, and Eric's gone, so he can't give me the thumbs up. But look out for that Cardinals Corner post-game reaction podcast later tonight. Coming up next, uh, the Bahamian Menace. Um, how about Bahamaton? Do you like that one? Maybe we'll just stick with Dominaton because that's what he's been. We'll talk about him next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final half hour here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Rodless, Jeremy Chanel filling in for Steve today. Trevor Henry behind the class. Coming up right after we're done at the top of next hour, Eric Ruby's got a half hour of one. Uh, Eric, crack the mic real quick because I don't want to screw up the name of your great show that just started. What do you got? Your One last thought. One last thought with Eric Ruby. Thank you. So <laughs> In well, space. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to live radio, folks. <laughs> that was a lot more than the last thought. That was like four so, different thoughts. <laughs> so one last thought with Eric Ruby's coming up after we're done at the top of the hour. He'll be on for a half hour leading you up to Cardinals football pregame coverage. Uh, and then I do want to update you on the Diamondbacks right now. And I was really excited to update you going into this segment. Until Hassan Kim hit a leadoff home run in the bottom of the first, but, but I'm hanging hey. the lead. Diamondbacks are up two to one. Bottom of the first inning, Tatis at the dish hey. against Merrill Kelly. And before we get into some of the Satan stuff, what did I say at the beginning when we were talking about the Diamondbacks? Lourdes Gurriel was looking good, and he had a uh, uh, RBI single Drove in, in the one first, of the runs. Yeah, he had in a the first good crack at the pitch. Um, this was DeAndre Ayton in the huddle in their second in the Bahamas second game against Argentina. Let me tell me if you notice anything. Other than him cursing, <laughs> <laughs> I notice he has uh, a loud voice, um, like the loudest voice in the huddle. Right? It would be nice if um, this team had a bunch of veteran leaders and. Let's face it, Aiton is a veteran at this point, right? Between him, Eric Gordon, and Buddy Heald. Those are, are the ones that jump out at us. As, right. you know, but I'm, I'm saying in terms of the Suns team, they have Booker, they have Durant, and they have, I don't know, Bradley Eric Beal. Gordon and Bradley Beal. Who, I think those are your who, leaders. Who are guys who have loud voices, you would think, in the huddle and in the locker room. If Aiton can become also one of those guys, that would be good for this team. Not only you know, do we want to see Aiton involved and engaged on the court in rebounding and making sure that he's boxing out, because I know that's been an issue lately, 
But we want to see him also have a voice in the huddle and in the locker room. I want to see him make sure that his voice is heard. He's telling them what he wants. I I think for a while he's had some things that he's just kept to himself because everyone, if they're a number one pick and they're that tall and that talented, wants the ball, right? Mm-hmm. They want to be they want to be involved in the offense. And Aiton, if he wants to do that. For this son's team, he needs to speak up. And I think this is just the start of him deciding that, you know, I'm on a team with already three alphas, maybe even four with Eric Gordon. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to demand the ball and want the ball, I need to act like it. He's certainly showing it with Team Bahamas. Yes. The question is, is this going to translate to when he's back with the Suns? There's two ways that you could look at it. Number one being he feels a lot more motivated. He's with a group of individuals right now where he can kind of assume the leadership role that you just heard in the brief four seconds of a huddle there. (laughs) But at the same time, he's coming back to a team that, as you mentioned, we mentioned four dudes before we even mentioned the name DeAndre Ayton as leaders with the Suns, right? And we know for a fact that this team is based around Devin Booker, and that's kind of how it's going to work for the next several years, like maybe another decade or so. But DeAndre Ayton still plays a very pivotal role on this Suns team, and he will play a very pivotal role on this Suns team for at least the duration of the contract that he's currently on these next three seasons. Will he get the same action that he's getting in the Bahamas while with the Suns? Who knows? Their top three players are 30-point-per-game scorers. So who knows if he's going to get that same kind of action when he comes back to Phoenix. I just go back to the big three heat because that's what I know best. But because they would always say that Chris Bosh is our most important player. And why was that? Because if he was going, you knew the other two were going to be going, right? Mm-hmm. Aiton is the most important player and piece on this team. If he is rebounding, if he is hustling, it doesn't even matter if he's scoring points, right? If he is outrunning and outperforming the big on the other side, those points will come. I mean, just just listen to how his Bahamian teammates talk about him. We mentioned Eric Gordon. Yeah, he's going to be a threat, so we need to use him as much as possible. And uh, when he's, you know, when he gets double teamed or whatnot, that's when you know you got guys like me who can space the floor and uh, also give it to him whenever he needs to on the floor. Okay, how about Buddy Heald? Basketball comes easy, you know, especially when you have the big fella. And uh, his, his talent's unmatched, you know. Uh, he's something you can't teach, something you know, that, that every player wants to play with. Uh, he makes the game so easy for everybody around us. And, uh, you know, we're glad to see a big fella here, you know, contributing. I know he changed a lot for us, you know. Hmm. That has to be encouraging. Yes. If it isn't, then I don't, I don't know what to tell him anymore. Honestly, I don't. And you hope that Frank Vogel and a new coaching staff will be able to get more out of him than what this previous regime would. I, I don't want to put all of that on, on the coaching staff, but if if what we saw from the 2021 playoffs, Aiden, comes back, this team is going to be This is going to be the juggernaut special, of the West. They're going to be unstoppable. They're yeah. going to be running you out of the courts most nights because they're scoring like crazy and their defense is just going to shut you down. That's why you bring in a Frank Vogel, right? Because Frank Vogel is the defensive-minded guy who helped lead the Lakers to their first title since, what was it, 2010? So first title in a decade. At the same time, 
he was working with a lot of high personality characters in LeBron James and Anthony Davis in particular. Frank Vogel knows how to handle this room. And for him to even emphasize DeAndre Ayton time and time again in press conference after press conference after sit down, whatever it may be, he understands, to your point about the Miami Heat Big Three analogy, he understands how important DeAndre Ayton is because he knows he's going to get the best out of Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and Devin Booker night in, night out. He needs it out of DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton just needed someone to continue to believe in him and not just make him the scapegoat. And I think he he alluded to that in some of his comments with the Bahamian national team, right? Yeah. Like, he, he alluded to, like... I know how what people think about me, right? Like I know I can feel the whole world hating on me, or wh- however the phrasing was. Right. So he just needs someone to say how important he is to this team. Mm-hmm. And I think all Suns fans know how important he is to this team, and that's why they get so frustrated with him when he's not rebounding, as Manny Machado ties it up oh in the bottom God. of the first inning. No, she's. That's so close. <sighs> Manny Machado, solo shot to left. It's now 2-2, bottom of the first two outs. Damn, uh, you, the you, breakdown you, is happening <laughs> before they even get to the bullpen. Come on! <laughs> oh, man. This is what happens, man. We were doing so well talking about Aiden, too. So yeah. let's get our minds back off of it. There's another aspect to Aiden that we're seeing with this Bahamian team, and okay. that is bringing the ball up floor. Taking the ball from the three-point line, actually going in for the dunk. Point Aiden. This is John Mark Nutt. He works with 10th Year Seniors, which is a Bahamian-based sports and pop culture website. He's following the Bahamian team. And he was asked if these games really give Aiden that opportunity to do these things that most of us Suns fans haven't been able to see. To me, he looks way leaner than he did a year ago. Like, to me... He looks like, I mean, you know, he's a big guy. He's a muscular guy, but he just looks like he's more lean and more able to just to be a nimble player now, be able to get the ball. To, like, he, I, you said you've been watching it. Get the ball off the three-point line, fake the handoff to Buddy and, and take it down to dunk the basketball um, versus Jam against Cuba. So it's like he has the tools. It just has to be given the opportunity to show that he could do it in the NBA. We've been saying this for so. First of all, he does look leaner. I will say that. Yeah. I don't know if if it's the haircut or what, but he he, he looks just, strong too. Yes. But how many times has Devin Booker said, "I've been waiting for the time that he keeps it on the dribble handoff." Mm-hmm. He's done it a few times, and you're like, "Yes, yes, yes." It gives it opens up so much to this offense if he is able to get the ball at the free throw line and keep it turn and jam it on his defender. Opens so much on this offense. They have to respect it. And with the three-point shooters that they have now with Beal, with Gordon, with Booker, with Durant, it's going to space the floor even better. And I'm I, I'm excited to see if we get this version of Aiton. I know Bernsey was saying the other day that they don't, you know, Suns fans don't want to be tricked again because we've been told this Off-season, off-season. We've seen it in instances, and then when we expect it to be the norm, it's not. It was the flash in the pan instead. Yes. And I agree with you. It needs to be the norm. Otherwise, (laughs) Suns fans are going to want to rip his head off, and maybe justifiably so, but who knows. Coming up next, a lot of us were kind of um, blindsided by a story that came out earlier this week. 
See what I did there? If you didn't, I'll explain it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. It's the portion of the show where we get to all the other stories that we wanted to touch on before we called it a weekend for most of us, I should say. Um, Yeah, going to be honest, Monday was rather, um, and I hate to keep making jokes about it, but I'm going to make the jokes anyway, blindsided, literally, by this story of the subject of the blind side, I Michael Orr. Do you know this story? Yeah, I didn't expect Sandra Bullock to do this. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, continue. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so if you missed it, on Monday, Michael Orr, who's the subject of the story, The Blind Side, which was adapted into a movie, which is based on the real-life story of Michael Orr and the Tui family. Loosely. Apparently, Orr <laughs> petitioned a Tennessee probate court with allegations that a central element of the story... The Tui's adopting him was a lie conduct- concocted by the family to enrich itself. Apparently, he has a conservatorship, too, yeah, like so what Britney Spears has with her father. It says, instead, less than three months after Orr turned 18 in 2004, the petition says, the couple tricked him into signing a document making him his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business, business deals in his name. Essentially saying... That the Tuies are profiting off of Michael Orr's story, and Michael Orr has not seen a dime. Yeah. Wow. It's very interesting. Have you heard about this um, sports card going around, too? Sports card, duh? Yes. Or, okay. So there's a card that has Ja Morant on it. It has a, uh, I think it's uh, Dolph, is, is the rapper's name. Who, who has passed away. Okay. So it has those two, and it also has the Tuies in the picture. So All on one sports card? Yes. It, the Tuies are in the background. Um, a rap, The rapper that I was talking about is also in the background, and Ja Morant is in the foreground. So apparently this, this card is now going for a lot of money because... Every, something bad happens to everybody in the in this sports card. Every wow, yes, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So the development of this story is that, of course, the Tui family is disputing this claim by Michael Orr. Uh, they t- said through a statement from their attorney that Orr's claims are outlandish, and the idea that the family ever sought to profit off of Orr is not only offensive; it is transparently ridiculous. In reality, the Tuies opened their home to Mr. Orr, offered him structure, support, and most of all, unconditional love. They have consistently treated him like a son and one of their three children. His response was to threaten them, including saying that he would plant a negative story about them in the press unless they paid him $15 million. What is happening? I just sent you the picture of the card. Um, <laughs> it's very... I don't know, dude. I, I, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yes. So the Tuies are uh, bottom left of this picture. Well, so they're based out of Tennessee, so that would make sense. Yes. Or they live in Tennessee. Based out of... Why would I say it that way? Are they Ole Miss fans or Tennessee fans? I forget. They're Ole Miss. Okay. They're Ole Miss people. Yeah. But they live in Tennessee. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, that's... Wow. Um, Hard to move... Uh, past this. Can I make another blindsided joke? But No, I'm just kidding. I'll move on to the next thing. Uh, I already made my Sandra Bullock jokes. Also earlier this week, talk about uh, drama. James Harden. He was doing a... (laughs) ASU legend. what it was. He was doing something in China for 
you know, a press tour, a kid's camp, whatever it was. And I'm not going to replay the sound because the quality's not great. But <laughs> without without reservation, or I don't know how it was even introduced in the conversation, but he said, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never play for his an organization of his again. And then repeated it to make sure that everybody heard him. This just makes the Western Conference even more interesting. So it sounds like James Harden was not really happy with how Daryl Morey handled the last month and a half. Or James so. Harden, you are a clipper. But Seven- not only not only does this in, intri- intrigue me because of the James Harden aspect, it intrigues me because of the Joel Embiid aspect. Yeah. Did you see what he did? Him and I think uh, Tobias Harris or P.J. Tucker as well altered their social medias as if to say we're standing with James on this one. Wow. And they removed references to Philadelphia and all their social media accounts. So this will be interesting to see. I know people on, on you know here in Phoenix may not care about what's going on in Philadelphia, but this could very well make the Western Conference even more tough if James Harden does indeed go to the Clippers. Yes, but at the same time, what the heck are the Clippers going to be able to offer to Philadelphia that'll convince them to get James Harden? I mean, like Brandon Boston. Um, oh, Brandon Boston. Sorry, that's disrespectful yeah. to him. But I mean, they don't have any picks. They gave him all the Oklahoma City. That's true. So what, are they going to ask for Paul George? I don't think that's why you would get James Harden, though. Right. To separate Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I don't think it'll work out that way. Got to be a three-team trade. By the way, I believe there there is a baseball team that is more unlucky than the Arizona Diamondbacks. Please, enlighten me. The Los Angeles Angels last night, who, by the way, for the record, if you didn't know, they they kept at the deadline. And as a matter of fact, they <laughs> added at the deadline. They are all in. All were, in on this push. Were they not like six games out at the time, too? They or? were very, very close <laughs> to a wild card spot. Right now... They are 60 and 63. Yes. They are seven and a half out of a wild card spot right now. Last night, they did something that doesn't happen all that often. They turned a triple play to close out the ninth inning, and then they lost in extras. <laughs> That's usually what happens with the Angels. It, Shohei Otani does something that hasn't been done since 1920, and the Angels lose 11 to 1 or something like that. Shohei Otani hit a grand slam last night, by the way. <laughs> Shohei Otani hits a grand slam. The Angels turn a triple play to cons- to keep the lead or keep the game intact in the ninth inning and then lose an extras to Tampa anyway. Yeah, I think we found the team that's unluckier than the Diamondbacks. Wow. I know most of you don't care, but it's just, wow, is it hilarious and sad at the same time. Yeah, both teams have one World Series. That's pretty lucky, I think. Um, let's stick with baseball. How about a local one? Jordan Lawler got called up to AAA earlier this, this week. This is big. I love this. He, uh... He made a triumphant debut in AAA, by the way. Hit a home run in his first at-bat. And then you pointed out to me, he already has two home runs in 10 at-bats. Yeah, he homered yesterday, too. He's already, he's already he's hitting, well, he's hitting 360-something right now in AAA. Wow. I think there's a chance that they bring him up in September and Ahmed gets less time. Really? Yes. Do you want Lawler up in September? Yes. Yeah. Even Why if they're not? in for the playoff hunt. Why not? Okay. Nick Ahmed's not going to give you what... I mean, you would think that Lawler has a little bit more upside than what Nick Ahmed's doing You would right think. Now. You would hope, too. Um, speaking of baseball, more baseball things. Chinese Taipei, the Little League World Series is going on. 
They threw the first perfect game since 2017. Did you see how fast that kid was throwing? He was throwing it hard. It was man. equivalent to 105 at an MLB game. 81 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. And an immaculate inning, too. I just want to point out that you asked me if the MLB game was going to be at this field. I Okay, look, I'm not super <laughs> familiar with the Williamsport game, okay? I just, I saw a second fence and I wasn't sure. Blah, 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 whatever. Hey, tell you what, this was fun. We got to get out of here. Got to yep. get ready for Eric's one last thought. Got to get ready for Cardinals football. Quick update on the Diamondbacks. It's still tied 2-2 in the bottom of the second. That's on ESPN 620 or the Arizona Sports app. Stay right here. One last thought with Eric Ruby coming up next here on Arizona Sports. V. Local sports leader.